Hello there, it's me, Shinti, your host and head honcho of Faking Lit. Uh, just a couple of things, well, one thing really. So, we have been pretty busy uh, doing loads of real life stuff um, that doesn't involve talking about books that we have read. Uh, one big thing that happened, for instance, is that it was Alice's birthday uh, over the weekend. So, we were all... Uh, having a grand old time celebrating her birth. Um, and as a result, we didn't have time to record an episode for you. In fact, um, it's going to be a bit difficult, actually, getting some episodes out uh, for this uh, week and the next because everything's kind of crazy hectic at the moment. Um, I'll be doing a uh, comedy show uh, at a board games festival somewhere in the countryside. And usually, you know what, I would plug the hell out of it, but um, I was given this gig at the last minute, and as a result, I don't know where it is at the moment. Um and if there is a way to let you know ahead of schedule, uh, through the medium of SoundCloud and podcasts, I would. But I don't have time to do that. Sorry. So, uh, yeah, that's a half plug for a gig that you will never attend. Um, try again next year. Um, but I guess, uh, so what I'm, I'm proposing that we do, uh, for this episode at least is I was going to give you a, uh, a lost episode. Uh, this was an episode we recorded with our very good friend, Ben Lund Conlon, um, quite some time ago. Um, unfortunately there was a mess up. Uh, one of the mics wasn't plugged in all the way, and as a result, there was an annoying buzz, uh, which I tried to rectify midway through the recording um, by starting again. And then, because I'm a total idiot, uh, I ended up deleting half the episode somehow. Yeah, I'm still not entirely sure how I managed to do that, but uh, as a result, we ended up with half an episode. But... um. It's a pretty good half, I must say. Uh, so I thought, why not release it to uh, the people who are hungry for content on a Monday? Um, I'm really sorry if this has reached you too late to get you through the uh, working day. And um, some of you might say that, well, you haven't really tried that hard. You literally put together a half-finished episode, which um, you had to abandon, and which has some audio difficulties. Um, and I cop to that. I cop to that. Honestly, I don't know like um what else to do uh, or what else to provide you with. Wish it could. It, wish it was something better. I really do. But it's a good episode. Oh my god! I can't believe this is not good. I'm literally it's insulting and slating my own episode before you listen to it. Um, no, it honestly, uh, I, I felt really bad that we couldn't actually get it out because there was some good stuff on this episode. Um, and I felt like I wasted everybody's time by deleting that half of the episode. And, uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, there was some good stuff that is now lost forever, but here, you know, you know, half a good episode is better than no episode, I guess. Right. Yeah, that's optimistic for you to take. Uh, in any case, uh, I thought this would also be a good opportunity to thank everybody who's been listening to the show. Um, our listenership has doubled in the past few weeks, uh, which is great. Um, I'm pretty sure they're all legitimate listens, and I'm pretty sure they're all from people who managed to make it through the entirety of an episode as well. Um, so thank you very much if you have been listening. Um, but this is a good opportunity, I guess, to say, um, you know, we've got a 
WordPress site um, you can always visit. Um, it's fakinglit.wordpress.com. And you can always message us there. We love it when you message us. Um, I have noticed that most of the messages that we get from people tend to be people that are not possibly real. They might not be real fans. Um, I'd love to hear from people who listen to the show and um, get your feedback on the books that we have read. Offer us your thoughts, offer us your insights, um, ask us anything that you want, really. We're pretty approachable, nice people. Um, also, if you are listening to the show, if you are a long-time listener, um, you know, feel free to share the podcast, um, get the word out about us. Write us a review on, uh, on iTunes. That really helps to bring up our profile and get us, you know, like more noticed, I guess. Um, I noticed that we've had five reviews on the iTunes page and they've all been five stars. Um, have they been written by people we know? Very possibly. I couldn't say for sure. You know, that's the, that's the beauty of the internet. It allows you to lie to yourself uh, consistently forever until somebody calls you out on it. And then if they do call you out on it, you can just ignore them because that's, um, that's the world we live in today. Um, so yeah. You know, look us up on iTunes, review us, recommend us to your friends. Hey, why not join the, uh, the Facebook group? We do have a Facebook group. Um, although I again have to post more stuff to that. Um, and, uh, be more active, try to get more people involved, I guess. Uh, my God, this has gone on a long time. Five minutes, five minutes. Um, you know what? I'm going to go now. I think I've done everything I need to do. I've plugged the things that I need to plug. Um, oh, one last thing. If you want to email us, we've got an email address as well. It's fakinglitpodcast at gmail.com. Um, why don't you write to us? Tell me what you think about these long rambling intros to special episodes and why there should be less of them maybe. Well, or maybe I should just um, say something for one minute and then leave. Uh, yeah. Give us your thoughts. Give us your frank thoughts. I can take it. I'm a strong person. I'm a very strong individual and I can take criticism well. So yeah, let me know. Let me know. I'm going to stop talking now. Okay. I hope you enjoy this episode. We did have fun recording it. I just wish we could have given you the whole thing. In any case, um, I will speak to you and hope to hear from you soon. Bye bye. I love you. Welcome to Faking Lit, a book club podcast in which I sit down with some very good friends and we talk about a book that we have read. My name's Chin C, and we're going to introduce this show to one song and one song only. That's it. That's it. I mean, I, I I thought about rapping, but I thought, no, <laughs> no, don't be stupid. Uh, hi, I'm Dan Offen, uh, and I I don't know what order we're going in. Stop. Oh, <laughs> we have to start again now. No, we don't have to. We don't have to.
Ah, he's going to keep it in as well. He's going to take that out. Never, 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 right, never. I'll start again. I've never really edit anything on this show unless it's just unforgivably racist. So, like... Oh, right. right anyway, <laughs> hello, my name's Dan Offen, uh, and I have read all 27 Harry Potter books. Mm-hmm. Hello, I'm Alice Burden, and I'm unforgivably racist. <laughs> I'm keeping that in. Uh, okay. Hi, I'm Ben Lanfond, and I'm forgivably racist. Ah, you are as well, you are. So many times, so many times. Hello, and I'm Ronnie Crown's sheath. And remember to cut out all the times that Dan said the N-word there. <laughs> yep. Don't, for, for listeners out there, eagle-eared listeners, uh, if that's a thing, um, don't look for the N-words in this show, because they're all gone. They've, I've removed them. You're welcome. It's a proper honour to, honor to have uh, Ronnie Crownsheaf here. Yeah, um, OBE, I believe. Oh, uh, I, I thought he was knighted. But was he knighted? Down. Was That's he knighted? what I heard on the grapevine. What? Uh, is that true, Ronnie? Is that true that like you were offered the knighthood and you turned it down? Yes, I did. I did. I turned it down. Um, Liz, I felt there was a, a, an air of nepotism. Really? Because you're related to the royal family, is that what you're saying? No, I went to school with them. Okay, oh, right. I went to school with all of them. You went to school? Which school was that? Well, when Liz was in school, Mm -hmm. of course, I was also in school in the year above her. She was quite smitten with me. Right, right, right. But since then, it's been, uh, she's not really gotten over me. And every now and oh. again, she gets me in and tries to pin that medal on me. And I, <laughs> and I just shan't. I shan't. There's other people who are more deserving. Right. No, I mean, Actually, I, you've been to school with all of them. I went to school with all of them. I was very poorly educated. <laughs> I, they kept trying, but I never got the hang of the times tables. So you went to school with, like, Prince Harry and Prince William as well? Oh, yes. I went back in, in later life. Were you I held went, back a year? Or, no, or, I went you back. You held back several years, it I sounds like. I held back about 40 years, uh, which is what allowed me to get in school with uh, with Charles as well. But then at the age of 80, I, I decided, you know what, I, I should try again. And then I went back and I was I was the eldest student in the class. <laughs> Imagine you were initially as well, you know, about 40 years. Yes, yes, I was the second time around. <laughs> and now, of course, I'm going back for, for George. Uh, uh, it'll be interesting to see... How many so more wait, wait, medals? Said, you're going back with. for George, like you've got unfinished business there. Right? Oh, well, we got, we got Not it. for the education, specifically for the royal baby. Oh, I might have just led the games. <laughs> but uh, I do suppose it's not the worst thing that one could do is try and keep themselves educated. You know, things change. Yeah, in, in, certainly not the worst thing you've done. No, well, oh, well but uh, if mere rumours, mere rumours, <laughs> my dear chum, my, mere rumours. Well, how do you how do you deal with rumors like that affecting your oh, your, you have your to life? Carry on. You have to just carry well, on. Carry you on ignore doing, them. Doing what the rumors. You just carry on the way the things always were. Carrying never changing things. Okay, you, all you right. You can't let right. it get to you. You see, exactly. Just like the hate is going to hate. There's too many. The There's play. too many. If I do, I, I'll turn into a, a turnip, <laughs> as they say. In that, you like, turn like, yeah, into exactly. a turnip. Turn into a turnip. It's like that. Taylor Swift song, Shake It Off, Hate is Gonna Hate, Play is Gonna Play, I'm a turn to a turnip. Yes, I've met Taylor, you 
Of course, you've met loads of famous people. Yes. I mean, it's yes. it feels. How does it feel to be on the receiving end of the questions for once? I mean, because you are a, a prime interviewer. It's not that bad. Yeah, it's, it's like, pretty nice. That it's it's kind of like it's more difficult than you make it uh, look on the, your TV shows. Uh, yes, well, answer. of course. But they've back when we were doing the TV shows, we had all sorts of uh, question uh, masters come on, mm. and then they kept trying to flip the script. Mm-hmm. But I didn't let them, you see. Mm. I always kept the upper hand. And so I, but by turning a question into a question, an answer into a question, is that what we do? Just turn it back on them if they try to turn it, it back on you. Well, I, well, wouldn't you say that sounds like a good strategy? What's that? Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> oh, we're watching the master at work here. Um, uh, uh, Ronnie, absolute pleasure. Um, ha- it's not Sir Ronnie, though, is it? Not yet. No, no, but it, no. We'll, we'll, we discussed this. Yeah, no, no. Five minutes. But I'm we, saying, I'm saying, like, not, yet. Not, yet. <laughs> not yet, not yet, <laughs> no, no, but never because he turned it down. No, but at some point you will say yes. Oh, I couldn't possibly. I could never do so. But I, but I won't let them stop trying. But Sir Ronnie has such a nice ring to it. You got to admit. Yes. Yes. Well, anyway. Thank you very much for joining us today, and um, thank you for um, thank you to everybody for uh, joining us today. Uh, we will be discussing a, uh, a well, not exactly topical, not at least for another couple of months, but um, a very famous book uh, by the writer Agatha Christie, possibly her most famous book. It is The Murder on the Orient Express. Now, guys, are we fans of Agatha Christie style murder mysteries? I've never heard of her. Okay. All right. it, I think. I mean, it's great that you know, um, especially in this age of equality and feminism, that you're really lifting up one of these lesser-known female authors oh, that right, history right, right, has right. obscured because of her gender. Well, no, I, I, she's not. She's she's very, very famous. I mean, I'm not really doing her. In fact, I would say that having Agatha Christie feature as a book on this podcast is probably actually diminishing her fame somewhat because like we go into the negative listeners these days so like we're actually tarnishing her slightly her popularity by doing this show but she's big she's big she's basically a household name then she's really? huge I mean, she's the size of a truck did you ever meet her <laughs> well of course we had her on the show but but uh, sorry no, I was. Uh, am I literally the only person here that's never heard of Agatha Christie? I think yeah, so. I mean, I've heard of Agatha Christie. She's the Kanye West of mysteries. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Her one regret, the, <laughs> the self-proclaimed Kanye West of mysteries. When she was on the show, she said, "I'm the Kanye West of mysteries." Yeah, she ha- she ha- she said that famous quote, which is my my one regret is that I will never be able to read one of my own books, um, and she never did. She was there did. murder where. Um, there was the murder where the person put their fist in someone like a civil rights sign. And that was one of the most brutal Agatha Christie murders. Yeah, one. yeah. And, and then moved it about like a sock puppet. And they go, bah, 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 just piloting around like a ventriloquist dummy. Yeah. It was a very easy one to solve, that one, though, because yeah, he was like, he was right literally there. just walking around with his body <laughs> on their hands. Like. But um, yeah, um, I can't remember the name of that one. I think it was called The, uh, the Guy Who Turned a Guy into a Ventriloquist Dummy. Not the catchiest of titles, um, but yeah, I'm, 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 you never watched Poirot, played by David Suchet. Agatha, Agatha Christie is the best-selling novelist of all time. Of all time, yeah, she comes after God, the Bible, <laughs> and Shakespeare, number three. Wow, is Shakespeare number one? No, the Bible's number oh, one. Right, the Bible's oh. number one. Oh, so God is number one. So God is yeah. number one. 
Well, he didn't write the that, Christian though. God. He didn't write one. that. God didn't write that. Though. Yeah, but God also wrote uh, God. Torah and he wrote. You were then he didn't wrote. write these. He, he literally did not write any. God is not sitting at a typewriter he hammering wrote, it out and just wrote, like getting the drafts in. That's not he how He wrote it the Quran through. Muhammad, did, Again, he? that's not the same. That's not like that's like it's getting just a ghostwriter. It, well, even then, it's like it's not like the Bible by God. It doesn't have an author. It never says by God well, in the subtitles. We had him on the show. <laughs> we had God on the show. Yes, we did. What, like what? It was like what your show? Which one though? You had various iterations of your show over the years. Was it on like Ronnie Time? Was it on like Talk Time with Ronnie or like Ronnie Good Boy Time? We um, had him on Ronnie Abroad. Oh, okay. That was, uh, that was a that, that was a seventies show. You had him back then. Oh, yes, wow. we did. Yeah. I remember that interview because it was annoying because you just asked him about celebrity gossip. You never asked him any of the serious questions. Yes, that we, we did. Were, yes. You asked, "Oh, what do you think about uh, Princess Margaret getting married?" Actually, do we have a clip? Do we have a clip of uh, that interview with God? Uh, yes, we do. Yes, we do. Can you play that clip right for us right now? So, God, you're one of the most popular uh, uh, people in the world. The, the most, most popular. <laughs> oh, do excuse me, Mr. Sir God, of course, <laughs> but of course. And uh, I was wondering uh, what your favourite hotel is. <laughs> oh, I, I, I think... Uh, I'm very badly named. Is it the Langham? <laughs> oh, yes, the, La- the Langham. Very handy for the BBC. A wonderful hotel. Um, what, what, what do you like about the Langham? I, I just told you, you're not listening, man. It's very handy for the BBC. I'm a big fan of that. Uh, what's that man? Uh, I, I mean, I should know. I created him eons ago. Nicholas Parsons, that's the man. Big Just a Minute uh, yes, fan. Yes, yes, yes. Just, yes. A, just a minute. Bzz, hesitation, you know. Oh, all that. Yes, 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 yes. And uh, what's your favourite uh, soup <laughs> to eat when you're on a, on a beach? Now we're here in the lovely Mediterranean, here sat over the cliffs of Soup on a beach? What are you, man? A monster? Not, not to get spat you, perhaps. Maybe. Uh, no. Uh, I, I, I just remembered I need to go to the toilet now. Uh, sorry, God. Uh, I hope you're still here when I get back. Of course. I'm, I'm always here. That's largely the point. Of course, yes, you're everywhere. I'll see you in there. I'll see you in there. Uh. What, wow. Um, what, just that. It's really different bygone era of uh, television back then. Like um, chat shows were very different back then. He was very just... hostile. He was very hostile. Yeah, you. you, you he off... really. Yeah. He yeah. really put you on your toes. Didn't he, he really kept me. Uh, but he, he knew exactly how to get to me. You know. Well, never. Yeah. It's almost. He knew he, that's a very smart gentleman. That God fellow. <laughs> I mean, I, I thought like um, you were you were lobbing quite a few like uh, softballs to God in that interview. I, I've noticed that like back then you, it was like you were having a chat, and now every chat show that I actually watch is, seems very interrogative. Um, and you were like having it was like a couple of pals chumming around. Although God did get a bit sh- uh, shirty with you towards the end, but um, famously yeah, yeah. wrathful that guy. Yeah, no, it's true. Like, yes, he struck me with a lightning bolt on the way yeah. back on the plane. I guess I guess I you eat my yeah. assistant. I, I read about that in your in that uh, in the third volume of your autobiography, uh, my smiting. My was, smiting. Yeah. 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 Interesting. <laughs> yes, it was interesting. My assistant tasted very much. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm sorry. Your assistant I, tasted. But God, 
It was a great. It, it was. A, I think it was really the beginning of my career, and I obviously in short. Well, so you started the first person you interviewed was gone, <laughs> and then you worked <laughs> downwards from there. Yes, it was a hard. I, I, I learnt a lot from that interview, and uh, obviously from there I just went from strength to strength, and uh, yeah, as I sit here before you. Dame Edna Everidge was your second, wasn't she? <laughs> she was, yes. I thought met her on the way to the toilet from the God interview. How does one go about booking God for an interview? Because like, we might want to have God on the show one of these days. Maybe to do... I think that's highly unlikely. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's possible if we do a topical enough... Well, I'll put in a word for you oh, okay. in my prayer this evening. Okay, okay. I say every night. You still keep in contact with God then? I know, but of course, he's everywhere. You could probably say, right now, you could say, uh, hello, God. Ah, yeah, come here. No, okay. It didn't work. It doesn't always work, you see. It's a very busy man. Looks good for his age, though. Um, Which is ageless, isn't he? Yeah, he's like, without But he he kept me on my toes, God. He learned a lot from that gentleman. Thanks for sharing that classic piece of um, TV history with us, uh, the first interview of God. Let's get back on track, though. Um, We were talking about the murder on the Order in Express, and we were talking about people's uh, preconceptions of Agatha Christie. Ben here was saying that he's never heard of Agatha Christie, which is frankly astounding that you managed to live in this country for so long, Ben, and like Call yourself an English person without knowing who Agatha Christie is. No. Yeah, no. And aren't you from Devon? And? She's from One Devon. of it. She's from Devon. A lot of people are from Devon, Alice. No, they're not. Aren't they? Oh, okay. <laughs> okay Names of famous people from Devon. Um, Muse. Muse. <laughs> are you good friends with them as well? They're very good friends. Yeah, okay. Uh, oh, what's... Uh, Joss Stone. <laughs> yes, I've interviewed Justin. <laughs> if we follow every one of these leads, it's going to be very long. We'd no, have to... no, you don't have to corroborate. Yeah, let's not turn this into. I'm just not... telling you people that are from Devon. It's true. Let's not turn this into the pe- famous people from Devon podcast. Though. When I was um, a kid, I had a friend called Devon. Yeah? When where was he from? Uh, America. Yeah, sounds like a very American. My mum hated him. <laughs> she told me recently, she was like, oh, I hated your friend Devon when you were seven. I. Wait, wait, you knew a guy called Devon when you were seven? Yeah, I did. Okay, alright. You met him in that nightclub, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, he was always popping balls. Um, no, he's right. We watched, I went to his birthday party and we watched Starship Troopers and I was too scared and his mum believed me. <laughs> because you wouldn't watch Starship Troopers? Yeah. Like, your... What a wuss. <laughs> wow, okay. That's that's harsh. Um, I'm really sorry. Devon, if you're out there, why don't you write into the podcast and confirm are you still a douche? <laughs> that email address is fakinglitpodcast at gmail.com and just sign off with like, I, I am Devon and I am slash not a douche anymore. I, Fair enough. Um, anyway, Agatha Christie, Murder on the Orient Express. Now, I, I, George Orwell famously wrote a essay called The uh, Decline of the British Murder in which he bemoaned the fact that uh, the, the, bemoaned the British fascination, uh, the English fascination with murder mysteries, the uh, classic, the way that like something that is a horrible crime um, investigated uh, by the police, which tends to be like a very brutal, nasty business, has been uh, transformed into a very effete parlour game 
by um, by mystery writers such as Agatha Christie. Um, how do you feel about that? Because I, I, I think there's a lot to what George Orwell says, the way that like, a murder mystery becomes like a, a man's, a person's life has been extinguished and it becomes a nice little piece of entertainment and, uh, uh, and a guessing game for the reader. Um, there's, there's something a little bit off about that, isn't there? Well, it's not real. <laughs> That's the thing of it. I suppose there's the true crime That's thing true. now. Yeah, I yeah. think the problem with stuff like Agatha Christie is we have seen a decline. I mean, not pre Orwell, mm. and now we're focusing on real murders, right, which, is, right. which is a bit weird when you think about it. Absolutely, but, but they, they 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 never sort of dress it up by making yeah, it sort of like all these posh people who yeah. are like hanging out in like really rich glitzy places, and it's always very they're very realistic the true crime aspect of it it makes it mean, means that it's like oh this is very unpleasant this is not it's not fun grizzly Agatha Christie Gritty. wrote in caricatures she wrote in a scene kind of, it was kind of it was more fanciful than what we have now but so, like, yeah I mean like I mean, Hercule Poirot is very very close to being a French stereotype yeah. Like, uh, and the way that, like, especially when you see the way that David Suchet played him in Poirot, the, sh- the show, with his, like, little, like, a mincing walk and a little sort of, like, the little grey cells. It was just kind of like, mm, you know, like, he, he, he is basically one baguette and garlic wreath away from being a, a culturally insensitive stereotype, I think. I think oh, yeah. you find his Belgian. Yeah, I was say, it would have, it would have been, it would have been insensitive, I think. Yeah, if yeah. You were, if you well, so you Belgian. know about I'm trying to think of Belgian. I've read the book. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think, yeah, and he's always saying like how Belgian he is, and always kind of Oh, I like moulin frites. Yes, yeah, yeah. he likes oh. mayonnaise and chips. Yes, it? and yeah. um, lambic. Yep, yep, and his famous catchphrase, "Mamma mia, that's a spicy meatball." I'm Hercule Poirot. <laughs> Who doesn't like mayonnaise and chips? I don't get why that's the. I like. Mm, I have mayonnaise and chips. I want mayonnaise and Are chips. Are you Belgian? No, that's my point. Uh, I think you better get that checked out. <laughs> the important part of this book is that he, at no point does he shrug whilst carrying a baguette and he's, I, not he's not French <laughs> and that's no excuse that's no excuse quite frankly like he should be he should be Hercule Poirot should have been carrying a baguette shrugging at some accordion music and saying mamma mia that's a spice meatball I'm Hercule Poirot to be fair baguettes are the perfect trained food they're sort of long and thin you can stack quite a lot of baguettes into a train yeah what else is long and thin a train trains you could have a baguette running the whole length of a train and just make your way if it's like one of the modern like underground we do exactly, and especially with the like, the modern trains where they don't have the door separating compartments anymore, and you can just walk from one end to the other. It's like Pac Man going, eating the biggest baguette ever, and then shrugging. Yeah, shrugging. <laughs> Mamma mia, that's a spicy baguette. I'm Hercule Poirot. Like, yeah, the trains aren't so narrow that baguettes the only food. You can do it with cakes. You can do it with steaks. No, no, mm. no. <laughs> no. You can do subway subway sandwiches. Yes. Oh, if it goes underground. <laughs> oh yeah, even better, even better. But, yeah. uh, uh, sausage rolls. Sausage. Yeah. Roll would be a fantastic mm. chocolate bars. Yeah, uh, eclairs. That's Ooh, that's yeah. that's Belgian, isn't it? Eclairs, isn't French. They're French. Do you not know what Belgium is? <laughs> what? I'm getting confused. I think like um, Belgium. That's the place with the Eiffel Tower, right? And um, and what's his name? Uh, Francois Mitterrand and Asterix of Gaul. Serge Pistache. Serge Pistache. Oh, good friend of the show. Serge Pistache. He's from Belgium, isn't he? He's from Lyon. Isn't you interviewed Serge Pistache? <laughs> oh yes, I've met him many times. We had him on Red Nose Day. <laughs> Isn't that the technical term for what Hercule Poirot has on his lip? Excuse 
me? The Serge Pistache. The Serge Pistache. The Serge of the Pistache. Well, of course, that is a, it shares a name. Yes, I think uh, maybe Pistache's parents might have uh, admired uh, Poirot's lips. Thought, <laughs> Haven't we all? Our kids would be parts of the anatomy of Hercule Poirot. <laughs> it makes perfect sense to me. But of course, in the in the final, uh, in the most recent movie coming up, there's the scene where they show Poirot on a bicycle going down the down the corridors of the Orient Express yes. with a baguette. Yes, that's right. So there, you had your cake. You had got to have your cake and eat it. I there, didn't know this. I, I haven't seen the movie yet, but I'm glad. It's, it's in the trailer. But most of the trailer is just <laughs> Poirot on a bicycle carrying a baguette. Twiddling his moustache in a beret. And does, he, uh, does he turn to the camera at one point and say his catchphrase? Yes, the, uh, the Mamma mia, mia, that's a spicy meatball. I'm Hercule Poirot. And he puts on sunglasses. Have you seen, seen, you have seen oh, it? Oh, yeah, that's, that's great. There's an aviator sunglasses. Yeah, yeah, he goes like that. I'm Hercule Poirot. Yeah! And then they play the Who right after that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, um, yeah, I- I'm looking forward to this movie. It seems like they've got the right mixture of, uh, of everything an Agatha Christie novel should be. Because uh, it's played by uh, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. I thought it was Kenneth Branagh. It's Kenneth Branagh. Kenneth Branagh. Kenneth Branagh is being played by Kenneth Benedict Cumberbatch. It's <laughs> playing. Most- Kenneth Branagh is playing Benedict Cumberbatch playing Hercule Poirot in his most immersive role yet uh, it's method method acting yeah 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 just like actually having to go like several layers deep into the process Um, (laughs) well okay so we've I mean Poirot is one of the great detectives as as a character as like he's up there with Sherlock Holmes Miss Marple Miss Marple Sarah Lund Sarah Lund Sarah Lund Sarah Lund Petty Wainthrop. <laughs> Petty uh, Wainthrop. Yes. Petty Wainthrop. And Horatio from CSI Miami. Let's go around the table. Who are your favourite detectives? Rumpole. Oh, he's not a detective. He's a lawyer. <laughs> I want to make... He's literally a lawyer. That's all he does. My friend... He's called Rumpole of the Bailey. Rumpole QC. I don't know, I don't he know just, who it is. He designs castles. He, yeah. Well, if anything, he, he prevents people from going to jail. <laughs> not the Fair other way right. around. My friend wants to make a fighting game involving all the detectives having a, a fight called Let's Get Ready to Rumpole. <laughs> See, that's I can tell him that's not going to work because he's got the wrong character in the pun. It's yeah. not going to work. Um, I'm trying to think of a better title. Uh, I mean, it's entirely based off that pun. <laughs> the, idea for the, the whole idea for the game is, is hinging on that pun. <laughs> on the character who's not even a detective. <laughs> Yeah, possibly. <laughs> okay, that's fine. Well, of um, course, Caitlin Jenner. Yeah, yeah um, no, she's the great detective. No, she's not a detective. Yes, she is. Yes, she what? Is. When she, she solved mysteries. Oh, she's of many a mystery. What, the, what, what was the mystery that she did? She solved the mystery of who ran over that person with her well, car. Well, yeah, she did solve that mystery. Okay, okay. Yes, yes, yes. It was her. <laughs> <laughs> what a twist! I didn't see that twist. one coming. No one saw yeah, coming. Yeah. That's that. As we know, this book it, uh, it entails quite a quite a monstrous twist that yeah, Christie, yeah, yeah. that our Aggie, I know her as well. She did that. Uh, she she embodied in, but what the, the next twist is like that. Yes, it was the detective, in fact, who, who were the murderer. That's true. That's true. Um, uh, I, I, I I think Christie's done a lot of sort of like these variations on like um, I on who done it's like um she's had a, a a book where the murderer was the narrator. 
which is a bit of a cheat because the narrator who's been telling you the story conveniently leaves out the bit where he murders the actual person and at the end you're supposed to go like oh how am I supposed to solve this the, the guy narrating the story was lying to me the entire time um, and then in the classic twist um, Agatha Christie did actually have a story in which the detective was the murderer uh, spoiler alert in uh, Curtain uh, Poirot's last case turns out that Poirot was the murderer at the <gasps> very end um, bastard yeah I know all the time and this the, an, an interesting fact about Curtain was that uh, uh, Agatha Christie wrote that book during the Blitz she um, had it and it sat in her uh, uh, her uh, cupboard for years her cupboard her cupboard <laughs> her book cupboard you know her unfinished like her manuscript cupboard um, because she oh, thought, I thought I thought you meant she sat in her cupboard <laughs> no no no, no. <laughs> yeah well, it was the blitz you know it was the safest place to be really but um, she was so she was so worried that she might die during uh, the blitz that she wrote the last Evel Poro uh, uh, story uh, during the blitz and had it just sitting there waiting like just to be published in case so she had an ending for her most popular character but obviously she didn't die during the blitz and, and it just sat there until she was ready to finally release it to the public uh, it kept going for a, a long time before then and some say it's diminishing returns but um yeah we are talking about like um uh the way that agatha christie has subverted the formula of the murder mystery by obviously twisting the expectations of the reader by pinning the blame on different the most least expected people and before we go any further, I'm going to say to the uh, people listening to this podcast, if you don't want the mystery of the murder of the Orient Express spoilt for you, they all did it. Turn it stop listening now. Um, Spoiler. Yeah, that. exactly. That's um, what the kids say nowadays, isn't it? Yeah. I've heard that from the kids. The kids, they always tell me that. Well, Kim just said it like five seconds ago. Spoiler alert! <laughs> I, I wasn't there when he said it. <laughs> what I find interesting about uh, Agatha Christie and also all detective fiction is it all features this kind of lie of the famous detective. Yes. And we, we no, there, there are no famous detectives. That's very true. Name very a detective. Sherlock Holmes. He's not real. Name a real famous detective. Inspector Morse. <laughs> not real. Columbo. Not real. Oh, uh, it's all famous uh, detectives. PC Walker. Uh, he, he's a police constable, but yeah, I believe he's he's up for uh, promotion to detective status. Uh, he's real, yeah, but I've not heard of him. <laughs> but he's famous. Well, I haven't heard of Agatha Christie. So <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. There are no really famous detectives because that would defeat the point of being a detective. I mean, that would be good though if there was a, a celebrity detective and he was always being like harassed by TMZ, or, uh, or and they were trying to get upskirt shots of him and the, every time he got out of his car trying to ser- uh, solve a murder, and he just appeared at like the BAFTA awards. And he's wearing a skirt. He's always wearing a skirt. Is he, is he yeah. like? Is he a trans trans? Bat? Maybe you know what? There hasn't been a trans detective so far, and I they're never there's famous a, that, that we know of. That well, mm, might have been one in the real world. Like possible well okay no I'm talking about like literary murder mystery yeah yeah like I'm sure there might be like a real life trans detective in the real world but they're not famous I'm talking about a famous detective who's also a trans detective that's because most famous detectives were written in the 1800s when men were men and women were women oh well oh dear uh, well, Agatha Christie was not wor- wor- working in the 1800s, so... Whatever she was working. And neither was um, uh, uh, the guy who did Columbo. Possibly the greatest detective, in my opinion, Columbo. Uh, well, of course, I've met, met, met Columbus, uh, he said. <laughs> what, what, for why reason do you love Columbo? So? Because he always solves the case by just harassing the person who did it. 
He, like, like, he just doesn't leave them alone. Like, we, the audience, know that the guy, uh, the, per- the murderer, from the moment that they actually, like, uh, they show them doing it, so we actually know from the, uh, from the start who the murderer is. But Columbo just has a hunch. He's just like, don't like this guy, and just keeps bugging them throughout the whole episode. He's saying, oh, just one more thing, just doesn't leave them alone, and harasses them. In the words of Hercule Poirot in this book, I do not like your face. Yes, that's true. You know what? We've, we've been talking around the issue a lot, um, and we've talked about the ending already, but um, let's get down to the basics and nitty-gritty of this book. It is a, a, a very... It's a classic case of the locked room mystery. Yeah, that's, that's um, and by setting it on a train, ingenious move because of the idea that you only have a certain amount of people that are going to have access to the train and going to be in the at the scene of the murder at any time. It's the express train, of course, it so it doesn't stop. Exactly. It doesn't stop. It's a great literary device. I mean, like, we talked about the ending. It turns out that they all did it. Now, when you came into this book, were you able to predict this? Did you see this coming? I don't know how familiar you are with the story. I just don't understand how the train goes from Istanbul to London. But they didn't mm. have the Channel Tunnel. They didn't have the Channel Tunnel. I don't think it does go from Istanbul to London. I think, oh, it was, uh, I think it was one of those flying trains at the end of Back to the Future Part 3, uh, where it could fly, as well as travel in time. I love that. You made a train that could travel in time, but that wasn't enough. Got to make it fly as well. Right. Well, otherwise you have to lay track in time. <laughs> where does it go from? Because it's not Istanbul to London. It goes from Aleppo to Istanbul, and then from Istanbul they have to travel it to goes London. Through up through Paris, I think I don't know if it does in this book because I maybe I skipped a few pages. Uh, I was distracted by the plot, um, <laughs> but uh, they used to have trains that went on boats that went across the Channel. Wait, really? Hold on a second. A boat train. Yeah, so they put like rails on the boats, and the train would just drive would like go onto the boat. Yes, yes. And then it would hook up to the rails on the other side of the sea. That's amazing. Ben, are you Christopher Nolan? Because you are blowing my mind. I'm not Christopher Nolan. Okay. (laughs) He said it. He said it. (laughs) Do you know Christopher Nolan? Oh, but of course. He's been many a time on the show. Is he like one of the. He was on Ronnie Time. Several of times. Ronnie Time. Great show, great show. Um, A 15 year running, running period. Uh, so, okay, so like you did, did you see this ending coming then? Like, uh, that's the opposite coming. I reckon none of them did it. Okay, okay. You reckon that he just like died of stab twelve stab wounds completely, like naturally, like yeah. in his sleep. Well, he just walked into knives. I thought. I thought he just was. <laughs> I'm into another knife. Oh dear! Back into another knife. I thought he just fell asleep and forgot that there was a knife in the bed, and he just kept rolling onto the knife as he was like sleeping, and yeah. then woke up dead. Heavy, heavy sleep. <laughs> I remember that there was a box of knives on above on the bunk above him, and they just kept falling through one one by one, and then as they went, as they stabbed into him, and he rolls over, and then one bright knife falls down, and a mouse takes the knife and puts it in the train tracks. That would have been great if that had been the solution. It yeah. could have happened. I'm just imagining Hercule Poirot gathering everybody in the train and explaining that that's how it happened. Like, but you see, there was a little mouse. Little mouse ran away with a knife and a box of knives and Mamma Mia, that's how it happened. I'm Hercule Poirot. The shades on. He didn't say uh, well, what, is, what, what kind of meatball. It was. <laughs> True. He, he mixes it up sometimes. Mamma Mia, I solved the case. I'm Hercule Poirot. That's like... <sighs> That's Poirot. That's Poirot. Genius writing. Genius. Everybody else, I mean, did you see this coming? Did you, you, do you think that Agatha Christie played fair with the reader in this one? 
I thought it, I mean, I, I smelt a rat when I realised that on this very long, very opulent, busy train, well, what should have been a busy train, there were only 12 people on the mm. whole train. <laughs> I'd, I'd kill for a commute like that. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'd kill for a buffet car. I think somebody did kill for a commute oh. on this one. Oh, Bazinga, right? Bazinga. Right? It's a murder mystery. <laughs> yeah. Someone dies. I, hey, hey, guys, and you thought your commute was murder. Am I right? Am I right? Mamma mia. That's a good joke. <laughs> well, imagine if your commute That's was the Orient Express. Yeah, I get the Orient Express to work every day. I get the Trans-Siberian <laughs> Railway to work. It takes <laughs> seven days. <laughs> Ah, when I go when I go to work, it's moida, mamma mia. Ah, anyway, well, yeah. So like, this was kind of out of the blue. I think. I think it's um. I think he, she she played fair. Uh, this is a classic case of uh, everybody had a good reason to kill Mr. Samuel Ratchet, who was a massively, massively unlikable character. Michelle Pass, absolutely. Everybody has a good reason to kill this person. And it turns out they all did kill this person. And I, I think it's refreshing to see that because I'm, I'm so sick of murder mysteries building up this sort of like bi- big thing where like, oh, this guy's a horrible piece of shit. Like everyone wants to kill him. And then only one of them had the guts to do it. I think this is great. This is the democratization of murder. And I'm all for that, quite frankly. Yes, but it reminds me of an Inspector Calls. Have you ever read that book? Spectacles, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, There's a book of a play. I read it written down into a book. So, a novelization of a play. A novelization of a play. A novelization of a play. Stop bullying me. Why are you bullying him? Because it's funny. Damn. That's the one answer. (laughs) That stumps me. I've been stumped again. Uh, I've just suddenly realized something and that there was a problem with one of the microphones. We've been getting a big annoying buzz on one of the microphones oh, no. unfortunately I don't know how long it's been going and on and his before. name's Dan <laughs> <laughs> it was this one six